You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, host of the Seeking Excellence Podcast. And today I've got my friend, David Patterson. David, how we doing, my man? Not too bad. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, bro. Excited to talk with you. What's funny about this, I think just last week, I don't know which episode's coming out first. I got to check the schedule. But I just recorded with my first uh, Canadian last week. And so no now, way. yeah, so you're number two. Another so Canadian, mean, eh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you go. yeah, the more the accent comes out, the more authentic it feels. Um, but yeah, the Feminine Genius Podcast, uh, Rachel Wong. Um, so yeah. we we recorded last week, had a great conversation. I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, but we had a great talk and very excited. And I checked today and I have a full 2% of my listeners are from Canada. And so, you, you know, yeah, very represented, you know, amongst the... <laughs> seeking excellence population uh but yeah man excited to excited to talk with you today and to share a little bit of your story in your world uh or, or your story with the world because you know you're so often the interviewer you know mm. it's rare that the interviewer gets interviewed you know yeah, that's right i'm looking you, forward to it get you in the get you in the seat a little bit today so it's great man but I, yeah that's right i'd love to just kind of start off with kind of a general overview of your life who you are tell us about your rambunctious children and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my name is David Patterson. I'm, I'm living in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Alexandra. We've got two little boys, um, six and four years old. So it is definitely a busy time. Uh, I work full-time as a chaplaincy leader at a Catholic high school, um, full-time, uh, up in Brampton, Ontario. We've got almost 2000 students there. So it definitely is busy running retreats wow. and lots of pastoral counseling before that. I worked in youth ministry for about seven years um, before I started working for the high school. And so uh, youth ministry, the new evangelization is just near and dear to my heart. And uh, yeah, definitely keeps me busy. That's for sure. I love it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm so, I'm such a bad American. Oh, well, I'm an average American. I would say in my understanding of Canada. Um, but I, yeah, I'm trying to think where Rachel's from. I think, cause I think she's more West. She's definitely like, she's Pacific time. So yeah, I believe where, she's in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, that adds up. That adds up. Yeah, she's in Vancouver. Yeah. That, I appreciate the help. Um, no worries. Yeah, I remember because she was talking about she was talking about Pacific Times. So I thought she lived in California. 
uh, when we were first like just <laughs> scheduling, and she said something during, and then I heard her say about weird, and I was like, okay, yeah, you're from, you're not from, you're not from California, that's for sure. Yeah, you start yeah. to hear the the differences there. For sure. Yeah. Just here and there, just here and there, you can hear a little bit of it, but yeah. Awesome, man. So you've done some great work. Obviously, you know, I was blessed to be on yes. Catholic with you. You had Emily on as well at one point. Uh, and so I'd love to talk about just kind of like the, the foundings of that. It's been wa- awesome to watch it grow and expand. You've now become like one of the the Kings of, of Catholic reels, you oh, know, <laughs> really into, into the, the real game, which is pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been, it's been beautiful to watch that kind of expand and grow and, for you to get to share so many people's stories with the world. Yeah. So you kind of want to hear like how it, how it got off the yeah, ground. What inspired you? Yeah. What inspired you to begin that? Like how long ago was it and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I got to back up a little bit back in uh, 2013, I was just a baby youth minister doing ministry. And uh, this, this young guy shows up at our life team program and he was really quiet, really reserved and uh, really kept to himself and he kept showing up every single week. And then uh, I invited him to go on a net ministries retreat. I said, I said, Hey buddy, you know, it'd be great to have you go on this retreat. He said, Oh, I can't go. I got lacrosse practice and I got football practice. And so mm-hmm. man, that sucks, you know, but something put on my heart as far as the Holy spirit. I said, send a last call email, last call, we're going on this retreat. You should go. His mom later told me that basically that morning he received an email that said football practice canceled. Next email that came in five seconds after that lacrosse practice canceled five seconds after that email was my email. I said, last call retreat. She turned to her son and said, do you want to go? And he said, I got nothing better to do, right? And uh, he comes on this retreat and it was just incredible. There were skits and testimonies. It was, it was really amazing. But at the end of the retreat, um, this university student got up at the front and she said, all right, we're going to do an open mic where if anything kind of stood out to you, you can share about your experience. And to my surprise, this young guy who kept to himself all these weeks at our youth group, he stands and heads for the front. I'm thinking, bro, you haven't talked to me for weeks and you're going to, you know, share, yeah. share in front of all these teens. And he basically takes a microphone and he's shaking and he says, I've never talked about this. Um, but when I was 10 years old, my sister was in a tragic car accident. She died. And what's really mind blowing, man, is that um, I actually knew his sister. We actually read at mass before I left the church. Um, we went to the same church together and we actually read at mass. So I would do the first reading. She would do the second. Her name was Megan. Uh, and it's so crazy because I'm now on a retreat with her younger brother. And he basically said he locked himself in his room playing video games for years, just trying to numb the pain because he thought that God, you know, like abandoned him and his family when he lost his sister. And he said, but because of this retreat, I now know that God was with me through all of it. And he turns to me and he says, I just want to thank you because I feel like my heart is beating in for the first time. You know, and I was like, wow, he completely broke out of his shell, became one of my best leaders. And so fast forward, okay, this was 2013. Fast forward to 2019, I'm on a retreat. It's a Salesian leadership retreat. And I get this kid in my group who's just angry. You know, you could tell he didn't want to be there. I'm thinking, man, what's this kid's deal? But somebody just told me, have a man-to-man conversation with him at the end of the night. I said, listen, let's have a bro talk. After all the pro activities are done, we're going to talk. He said, okay. Sat down and something put on my heart, Holy Spirit, share the story of Matthew and Megan with mm. his kid, right? I'm thinking, God, this happened in 2013, you know, it's 2019 <laughs> now, right? Like, can we come up with some new material, you know? Recycle. Share the story. So I said, listen, I have no idea why you're angry, what's going on, but I just feel called to share the story with you. Finish sharing the story. 
I said, so why are you so angry, man? And he looked at me and he said, I can't believe you just told me that story. And I said, why? He said, because when I was 10, my sister died. And I'm so angry at God. And I was like, well, you know, like I, I had no idea. But the next day, there was a time of confession and adoration taking place. And he called me over and he said, can you pray with me that I'll make my peace with God? And so I just bowed my head and I just said, Lord, I just pray you give him the grace, you know, to come home to make his peace with you. And right when I said, amen, the door of the confessional opened and he's like, I'm going in. I was like, yeah, buddy, you know, yeah. God, but he totally just had an encounter with the Lord and made his peace, you know, Dang. and I was so overwhelmed by the fact that I just shared a story with him, you know, like I didn't yeah. give him a Bible say, I didn't give him a catechism lesson. I think those things are obviously important, but I just shared a story and it led to, um, you know, an encounter yeah. with the Lord. And so uh, I was really thinking about this and then I was on my way to work and I usually say yes to God. That's kind of my thing is when I get in my car, I just say, Jesus, I say yes to you. Whoever you want me to talk to today, I say yes. Whatever you want me to do, I just say yes. And then I was on my way, praying. And then basically um, on my heart, I heard, yes, Catholic. And I said out loud to God in my car, I said, I like it. You know, there's a, <laughs> yeah. like, a ring to it, you know? Yeah. What's crazy is that on the feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe, December 12th, no idea that it was December 12th, but I was on my way to work again, heard real people, real stories, all grace. I actually pulled my car over. Uh, to record real people, real stories, all grace, and later realize it's the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And wow. I went home to my wife and I said, I'm not this smart. Like God is doing something, you know, like the Holy Spirit is moving here. And um, yeah, sure enough, um, really felt called to, to go live on Instagram. And it's funny because a lot of my buddies were like, dude, why don't you like ask people to come to your house and interview them? Like, why would you do Instagram live? And I was like, no, it's, it's not what God's calling me to do. Like I have to do IG lives, you know, right? Yeah. Enough. Like we launched January and then the pandemic hit and it was built for ISIL, for like lockdowns. Right. You know? so yeah. It's crazy how the, the Holy spirit was definitely moving the way, kind of leading the way, you know? Absolutely. And you, I mean, you open up like who you can connect with, obviously, I mean, I, like, I don't even know the word, like it's not a thousand fold, you know what I mean? Like a million fold, 10 million, you know, a hundred million fold of uh, yeah. how much you open up the world. Yeah. You can interview anybody, you know, you can connect and talk with anybody. I remember having that kind of like similar, I, I started doing like these holy happy hours is actually how I ended up meeting Emily. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can just do talks like I did in college, but online I can like do them with anyone, you know, like via yeah. Zoom. I'm like, it doesn't have to be somebody that's in my city. You know, which I'm that's sure right. you don't have to pay for their flight to like bring them to Toronto, Canada. Right. You can, they can, they can go live anywhere, which is pretty cool. And yeah, that's the awesome. funny thing. Right? Like I've, I've actually had people share their story on a coach bus on their way to some kind of ministry event. You know, I've had people share their story in like a Starbucks. It's crazy. Like, right. People go live anywhere, you know? Yeah. You've had, yeah. You have as many locations as you've had people on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is pretty crazy. That's yeah. awesome, man. And I'm sure, I mean, yeah, like talk to me a little bit about like some of the the feedback and stuff. Like I'm sure you get crazy DMs and comments during the, you know, during the lives and stuff like that of people just kind of like loving what you're putting out there or loving the people, you know, who you have sharing. Um, yeah, I think I think probably one of my favorite DMs was I ended up getting a, uh, a photo sent to me of a, a, a man basically standing beside the bishop. And he said, I was received into the Catholic church. And uh, yes, Catholic had a lot to do with it. And I was like, 
no way, you know? Yeah. I was like, that's what it's all about. But yeah, I mean, obviously on an ongoing basis, what's so, what's so mind blowing to me is that every time I go live to have someone share their story, somebody messages me saying, Hey, do you know this person? Or do you know this? Person? Oh yeah, I bet. It's like an ongoing recommendation. I don't even have to really look for people because I'm constantly yeah. getting messages of like, you know, the next person. And so it's, it's just so inspiring, you know, cause people are like, Oh, the, the church and it's young people. And I'm like, no, the church is alive, man. Like right. the Lord is really raising up a generation of saints after his own heart, you know? And it's, it's just such a gift being able to highlight these stories, you know? Yeah. I'm absolutely. praying that one day, at least one guest will be canonized as a saint in the Catholic church. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> That would be fire. That would be fire. Yeah. So you get up there, you can be like, I know, I know him or her. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. We'll take some photos, put it on like a prayer card (laughs) and try to carry it with you. Yeah, exactly. That's bomb. No, dude, absolutely. I think it's super cool. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to get those types of messages from people and um, yeah, to be able to see like the impact that you've been able to have in in such a great way. But yeah, I remember, I think I messaged you, like there was like a a three month period where I feel like everybody you had was like either a friend of mine or like somebody that I was like podcasting with. Like it was like, it was so many different connections in like this one stretch. I remember it was really funny, but, um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about like, uh, you know, I think a challenge people have sometimes and i think i struggled with this a lot more at the beginning than like beginning of doing ministry and stuff than i do now uh it can be easy to start to take credit for some of those things or on the other side of it you know i have a lot of people who will tell me sometimes like oh you know like i really love your podcast or i love this or that and it's like but i don't want to i don't want you to get a big head you know mm-hmm. and so it'll be like they, they try to like withhold encouragement or whatever it is sometimes but how what has been like your journey with humility through that you know of doing so much and you get so much great feedback from people and yeah. people are converting, you know, and like, and that's, you know, I've always loved the Matthew Kelly quote. He says that you only see 10% of the impact that you have. You only ever get mm. to see 10%. And so it's like, if you think about that and you know, it's true, right? Cause there's so many people who you meet after like years or will message you after like years of watching your stuff. And they're like, dude, this has been like monumental you know what I mean? in my yeah. life. And you're like, how many people are out there that are like that? But um, and it's an interesting thing too, of like, you're striving to like grow your following so that you can reach more people. Right. But not, you know, but you have to have the balance of like not getting prideful around it. So what has been kind of your journey with humility? Cause from my experience with you, it seems like you've done a good job of that. I wouldn't call you an arrogant or you don't come off as prideful, you know? Thanks, so it man. seems like you're doing well. Yeah. You know, it really took a load off, um, realizing that this ministry isn't mine, you know? And, and I would say like, I worked in youth ministry for, for a good seven years and in chaplaincy, which is, is basically youth ministry for another five and a half years now. Wow. I'm feeling a little old right now, but um, I spent a lot of youth ministry in the beginning thinking that because I was the paid youth minister that I had to do everything, you know? Um, and through my journey of being in youth ministry, I really learned that, um, this ministry is not about you. Uh, it's about empowering disciples to, to basically bring out the new evangelization. And that took a lot of learning um, over the years in youth ministry. And so I feel like that kind of prepared me uh, for the ministry. But also when I went home and told my wife, like this idea, you know, saying I'm not this smart, I really did believe that. Like I was like, this right. is, this <laughs> is the Holy Spirit, you know, and it kind of did from the very beginning, take a load off. And when I do face challenges, 
I basically say back to God, I say, God, like, this was your idea. You got to take care of this. You know, this is, this is not about me. Um, But I'm going to be honest, right? Like I, I'm very blessed in the sense that I work at a Catholic school. Chapel is right beside me and we have Jesus present in the tabernacle. We actually have a kneeler uh, present right at the tabernacle that was built by one of our alumni students. And I go there regularly and I kneel right at his feet and I say, Jesus, this is not my ministry. It's yours. Take care of everything. And I think um, I am human, obviously. And when you see the different numbers and whatnot, I mean, obviously you want to celebrate it because you can see that there's good fruit, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I try to constantly remind myself that this isn't, this isn't about me. This is about him, you know? And that's right. why the, the slogan basically says like real people, real stories, all grace that it's all of God's grace that's working. And really like, if you, if you know any parts of my story, I mean, I can't really take much credit for where I am today. It really was uh, the Lord's grace just yeah. moving, you know, for sure. And so it's, it's just been an incredible adventure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I remember, I don't know what this story or this, like where the, exactly this quote comes from, but I know there was like some priest, it might've been like St. John Vianney. Like it was some like, just like hustler, you know, like all in priest that like eventually would like go to bed and be like, all right, Lord, I'm tired. Like this is your church. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to yeah. fix this, you know, I've done my work for the day. Like this is yours. And there's a, yeah. there's a beautiful freedom in that, you know, to be able to recognize like, to put in effort and like strive to be consistent and to do the things that you feel like God's calling you to do, but not be obsessing over the numbers or disappointed if it goes down. Because I think one thing people don't realize enough when you're starting in ministry and we kind of face this battle in some of our like initial group and seeking excellence in the early days is like, and I had a friend of mine, actually, she's a missionary in Haiti, my friend Leanne, who kind of brought our team back to this at the very beginning. She was like, we would still be doing this if only 10 people listened. You know, she's like, we're not doing like, it's great. Like, it'd be great if like the numbers grew and it was awesome and it was big, but she's like, and I I need to know, like, does everybody agree with that? You know, like, are we doing this? Like we would do it for even 10 people if they listened to it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if that was a thing, like that would be cool. That was like part of why I wanted to start was like, I had, you know, friends who I had Bible study with in college, uh, who I led in Bible study or little cousins and God brother and like all these different people in my life. Well, I was like, I'd love to you know, have these like phone calls and chats I get to have when I go home with them, like more often, but I can't do it with everybody all the time, you know? And so like, how can I do some type of continuation? And yeah, I was like, yeah, a podcast or something like that would, would help with that, you know, kind of awesome. like continuing formation and stuff like that. But yeah, man, I think it's so beautiful to see. And, and obviously, uh, yeah, it can be challenging and you want to do the things and, and learn the, you know, tips that help you to grow, you know, on social media or whatever it is while also, um, yeah, not being married to that. And I think you can start to kind of test it out too. It's like, is my joy being affected by lack of growth? You know, like is my attitude is my zeal for the ministry, you know, like changing because it's not hitting targets or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. And that, and that's the beautiful thing too, is, is just like you said, you know, like it was never about, the numbers on Instagram, it was always about our souls being pointed towards Jesus, right? You know, like that's the mission. And so, I mean, obviously it's nice to see that like more and more people are, are hearing about it, but really like the whole mission is just that people will look to see and hear people's stories, but that they'll actually be pointed in the direction of following Christ themselves and his church, obviously. 
right? right. And that, that's the idea of yes, Catholic is not this, this one time decision, right? It's a Protestant, but it's actually no, it's that daily decision, week 923, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Mm. It's like, you know, living that out every single day. Yeah, which ain't easy, as many no. of us have come to learn. Embrace your cross, right? And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not joyful. It's not, well, it's, it is joyful. It's not enjoyable all the time, is what I meant to say. But what is your, do you have like a long term vision or, or goal for it or anything like that? Like, do you have any type of like bigger dream for it? Or are you just kind of like going through it and seeing, seeing what happens along the way? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remain steadfast in, in what the Lord is calling me to, you know, and I, I've, sure. I've been ask, actually asking a lot of my friends, like, just pray for me that I'll be faithful in what God is asking me, you know? Yeah. But I heard this quote. I have, I have no idea where I heard it. It must've been some kind of Steubenville conference or, or whatnot, but it basically said purgatory is filled with people who did more than what God asked them to do. And I was like, ouch, you know, and I, and I don't want to be one of those people. Like I That's want big. to be faithful in what God called me to do, you know, yeah. but obviously there's lots of voices and there's lots of noise and it's like, you could be thrown in, in a bunch of different directions. Right. And so it's just trying to figure out like, okay, what is he actually calling me to do? And can yeah. I be faithful into that? You know? Yeah. It was like this holy no that I think is really difficult to find. And one thing that I've kind of searched for in myself or that I hope to like maintain over the years, I think, cause I'm all about like good measuring sticks. Right. Cause I go outside the line so often and I've been so ratchet in my life that I'm like, I need to have like some clear guidelines where I can like measure some, you know what I'm saying? It's so yes. like, like I mentioned earlier of like, all right, if we have like a down month in the podcast, like, am I upset? Am I like not eager to do it? Am I not so mm. joyful in my day-to-day life? Things like that, you know, they're like kind of signs and I have a good sense of self-awareness by the grace of God. So I can typically know and like take a good temperature check of myself. Good. And I feel like for this, it's like, okay, am I sometimes, especially when it comes to like speaking and things like that, it's like in the future, like, and I want to be this person and I'm working towards that now. Are you going to be willing to say no to some paid speaking engagements or paid opportunities and yes to some that are not paid, mm-hmm. you know, to like maintain that, like kind of like keeping it, you know, straight and, and like on the path, you're doing it for the right purposes. Like are all, I think this is a good like evaluation we could do for any Catholic speaker. And like, I'm not saying that we should be asking them this or, you know, but it'd be a good kind of like measuring stick of like, are all of your speaking engagements of 2021, were they all paid? And then <laughs> were all of your no's not paid? You know what I mean? Like were all yeah. of your yeses paid and all of your no's not paid things. Um, and I, I mean, I've been so blessed and I, I'm so honored with people who take the time like yourself to join me on here. Um, and it, it's awesome, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a challenging thing, but I think we can start to kind of create that, that yardstick of like, it's everything I do to like gain more followers or something that I do to share. And it's the same thing I've shared a lot of times with what I feel like I'm called to do. And I, I feel like I'm in a unique position to do this. I don't think everybody's called to be so political and so bold in some of the cultural things that I talk about. But it does really help me to be like, okay, you know, I could stop. I could just share Catholic things. I could just do, you know, and it's not, it's not just, it just, it would just be different than what I feel like I'm called to do. Cause I feel like I've prayed about this and I have the voice and the, the attitude and the knowledge, you know what I mean? To speak about these things, but it helps me to know like, no, I'm going to post this, even though I know I'm going to lose followers this week, you know, or even though I know my story, my story views are going to go down from 1500 to 350, you know, like I'm going to still post it. Cause that's I feel like, like somebody. Band. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm like, I know somebody out there who's feeling this way is going to like have a better day today and feel more encouraged to stand up for their, for the truth 
and for their values because they've read this and they know they're not alone, you know? And it's like, that's worth, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm here for. I'm not just seeking after, you know, whatever, uh, you know, popularity or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think that's, you know, you just, but, and everybody has their own, right. We're all called to different things. Like I don't, I would never encourage you to start posting, you know, anti BLM stuff the way I do, you know, and I would never start doing the things that you're doing. I think that a lot of people struggle in finding that discernment of, you know, what, what am I called to do? Like, where am I called to serve? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, that's the call is, can you be faithful in what the Lord is calling you to do? Yeah. You know, like the Lord has called me to highlight stories of right. people living their faith. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's very clear in what he's asking me to do. Right. You know, and, and if um, I'm getting asked to go in a completely different direction, well, maybe I should be asking him, is this what you want me to do? Rather yeah, than be just very clear. saying yes. You know, and, and I think um, I was on a conference call with uh, actually youth pastors across Canada just last week. And it was wow. incredible, man, just being able to pray, um, you know, and praying for, for dialogue and unity, you know, um, mm. it was really cool. But what came up in prayer for us was, was basically that we need to be giving 10% of our time devoted completely in prayer to God, right? To basically take that time of being like, we can be so caught up in being that Martha versus the Mary. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Anxious and worried about many things, but Mary, you know, she, she chose the better part, which was not taken from her. Right. She sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to him speak. And uh, yeah, on my journey, man, I've definitely been a Martha for way too many years. And I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying my best to just like say, Jesus, what do you want me to do here? Yeah. You know? Because, because going, <laughs> doing things the, the Lord's way is just so much better that's that's for damn sure yeah yes ain't no doubt about that my way don't work out so no man no i totally get that i just we we just started our our book club book for emily and i next month is the power of silence uh by cardinal sarah and Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah i'm gonna be like really i'm really trying to focus more on that because i'm I'm gonna like fill every minute with noise right like i'm like podcasts audiobooks youtube you know in the background while i'm working uh, go from like ESPN to like Ben Shapiro to like the next thing I'm listening to for the day, you know, like it's just all over everything, noise all the time. And so I'm really trying to enter into that a lot more. And, and ironically in the first like 20 pages, he talks extensively about Martha and Mary and kind of goes into, really? yeah, like the need to like be a Mary before you can be a Martha too. Yes. Like even just like day to day, but also kind of like in your life, like kind of harrowing out that space for silence and uh, yeah, becoming silence. He talks about it a lot. Uh, in a very deep way, but yeah, man, I love that. And I think it's so important too, to recognize that it's so easy to get judgmental. It, it's easy to get mm-hmm. both discouraged and judgmental, right? Because you think of like, like I was just kind of giving the example of like me sometimes wanting to be like, well, what if I just posted other things and then I wouldn't lose as many followers or whatever. And maybe you, you know, might feel like yeah, I do want to speak out on some of these other things. And God's like, I'm just not calling you to that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be worked up and want to speak about. And I think we both have to recognize not like you and I specifically, but people in these different camps of not being judgmental, because I think somebody like you could look at somebody like me um, and be like, why are you always talking about that? Like, why not just build the faith? Why not just focus on the gospel? You know, and then contrarily, you could be like, why don't you ever talk about these other things? Like, I think this stuff's really important, you know, <laughs> different topics mm-hmm. like that. and I think in the church, we get so divided when we really are just working on the same team, working towards the same goals, 
trying to get people to heaven, you know, trying to help people to become saints. And we all have different niches, you know, niches are, are different, like uh, strengths and different and roles to play. Yeah. You know, like I just always view it as like a football team or a military. Like we have different MOSs, different specialties that help us to win the war, you know, but it's like, you can't look at just St. Paul talks about this extensively. Um, you know, the, the foot can't look at the hand and say, I don't need you, you know? And I think we do that to each other, all the, not you and I, obviously, but I think people in the church do that to each other all the time. And I think going back to being that Mary, right? Um, the call of what does it mean to actually be beloved? You know? Yeah. Um, when you break it down, it's actually be loved, right? And the call um, to, to recognize that that's the goal is that when we first encounter the love that Christ has for us, then we can actually go and bring that to the, to the world, you know? And I, and I think that if we aren't praying, we can very quickly uh, become modern day Pharisees. Oh yeah. You know? um, where, where we are judgmental um, and lacking the heart of what Christ is actually calling us to, which is so, so important. And you can see that, right? Like you can see the division that the enemy is working over time to bring about. Uh, oh, for sure. The work of the Holy Spirit is definitely in unity, you know? Yeah. I think we need to be striving for that, not just within Catholic circles, but actually non-denominational Protestant circles as yeah. well. Like we should be talking to each other. We should be praying with each other mm-hmm. because when we can pray and talk to one another, those walls can start to crash and crumble. Right. Yeah. And Jesus definitely desires for Christians to be unified. I think there's no doubt about that. It's prayer. Yeah. We are one, right? Very specific. Um, dude, I love it. And I think, you know, not, not only do we like run the risk of becoming Pharisees, I think that if you don't pray and you're a practicing Catholic, you like, you likely are, you know, a Pharisee in some sense, you know, it's almost impossible to not, if you, and I think using the term practicing Catholic for somebody who doesn't pray is a stretch. Um, but I don't know what other term to use. You know, if you're a mass going Catholic, I guess you could say, or somebody who considers yourself Catholic and you don't pray, like it's very likely that you struggle with judgment. And because I think anytime we kind of have this, you know, there's, there's this, like, obviously like in mental health circles and people talk a lot about imposter syndrome, which is a real thing. And I think people struggle with it a lot. Um, and it prevents a lot of people from entering into ministry and doing things that God's calling them to do. But there's also like a natural, almost like healthy sense of that. I think it's kind of like guilt, right? Where like sometimes guilt and shame like are, can get really bad and negative, but like sometimes you should feel shame about shameful acts, right? Like if you're, you know, having sex in public, like you should feel ashamed of that. Like that's a shameful thing to do. There's certain things that are just shameful and like shame coming along with that is a natural and kind of a good thing because it corrects your conscience. In the same way, I think like, there's almost like this imposter syndrome that comes up that leads to a lot of judgmental mentality and living out and words and gossiping when you feel like, Oh, I'm trying to live this Catholic life, but on, you know, on the backside, like I don't actually pray. I don't actually, you know, take my faith seriously. I don't actually believe a lot of this stuff. Um, I think you do start to kind of feel this imposter uh, self-consciousness, you know, that, that leads to being like really judgmental and, and gossiping and things like that. Yeah. I don't know why, man, but over the past couple of weeks, I've really been, kind of meditating, reflecting on the story of the prodigal son, mm. uh, in particular of the older brother, you know, oh, wow. um, yeah. and what we're called as faithful Catholics to actually mirror, right. When the prodigal right. son actually comes home, are we called to be the bitter brother <laughs> or are we actually to mirror the, the love of the father, the father. Yeah. Um, when someone's coming home, it's, it's been, tough. uh, 
just been praying about that a lot. Yeah. I had, uh, yeah, I've had some great, I had some great prayer reflections and things like that, um, on that. And I've, I've played all of the roles. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? I've played all the roles over my lifetime many times in each, in each sure. seat, you know? Yeah. And so it is a, it is a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, man. So one, one thing, you know, I, I'm really interested in, and this is a huge change of subject, uh, but kind of the second half of the things we wanted to talk about was Catholicism in Canada. So mm. I just recorded last night with somebody and I hope I didn't offend you with my California comparison of, of Canada. Uh, I think sometimes it can come off as, yeah, I, I think Americans were often considered cocky and arrogant in a lot of ways. I think we often are. Um, and so I, I appreciate when other countries think that of us. Um, not appreciate it, but like I, I have compact, like I understand when people think that oftentimes. Um, but I had this, I had a really great podcast with this, <laughs> with this woman last night, uh, who I also met through Hallow, ironically, similar to you. Um, and she went to UC Berkeley. So university of California in Berkeley, which like, I was like, man, like for conservatives, I'm like, that is like, that's like the epicenter. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, mm. when you think of a very liberal state school in California. I'm like, and she studied ethnic studies. So I was like, we have to talk because she's a practicing Catholic. I'm like, you got to unpack some of this for me. So we had a great conversation. Um, but now I feel like I'm like, all right, I did the California thing. Like now talk to me about Canada. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, now mm. I got to ask David what it's like in Canada. Um, yeah. So I'm super curious, you know, as I said, you know, in our notes here, lots of similarities between the U S and Canada. And I think uh, I, Australia seems to be like really fighting for the number one spot of what I think of like California as a country. <laughs> I think that, I think they might have passed you guys to number one, uh, but mm. I often think of like California politics and Canadian politics seem to kind of like often go in the same way. And obviously, it doesn't represent everybody in your country. And I, I know there's a lot of great people in Canada. I think you're a great person. You're in Canada, so I know there's at least one. And I like Rachel Wong too. So, um, so we got some great people out there. But yeah, talk to me about what it's like. I think. I've seen the experience and witnessed, you know, in the United States, how difficult it's been, especially since the beginning of the pandemic, but it just varies so much here, you know, and I'm sure it's similar there uh, in California compared to uh, when I was in Ohio, you know what I mean? Like I had freedoms in May of 2020 in Ohio that they still haven't experienced once in Canada or in in, uh, California. Um, Mm. And Florida is totally different than, you know, uh, Washington, which is totally different than, uh, Texas, which is totally different than New York. So yeah. Tell me about like, I guess you could talk about specifically if you want to talk about the pandemic or just talk generally about like the culture of Catholicism in Canada. Cause I'm just super curious what it's like. Yeah. It's interesting to, to speak about this because I've, I've only grown up in Canada. So right. my, my experience of Catholicism is, is just my own experience. Sure. Right. And, and what I would say is, um, you know, I mean, I worked in youth ministry for a good seven years and everywhere I went, I met young adults, um, passionate about the gospel, passionate about the fact that they encountered the Lord in the Eucharist and really wanting to bring that, uh, to the young generations. Yeah. And so everywhere you would go, I mean, it's incredible in in my short time in youth ministry. I mean, there were camps that were being launched um, where 400, 500 kids were going to a Catholic camp where there was like mountain biking and high roads, but there was also Eucharistic adoration mass every day catechesis, you know? And wow. funny enough, that's where I met my wife. Like we were both camp really? counselors. Yeah. I saw my wife there and I was like, hello, you know, and just, <laughs> we, fell, we fell in love and the rest is history. Um, that's awesome. But really like, um, yeah, we can complain about uh, the challenges, mm-hmm. you know, 
but but the blessings have have just been incredible. I mean, even Steubenville Youth Conference came to Canada. It was, it was normally in Halifax, but then it was brought to Toronto. You know, and I was able to actually take um, a good 30, 40 teens to Steubenville, wow. surrounded with two thousand teenagers, all praising God on their knees in adoration, begging the Holy Spirit to show up. You know, and yeah. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And you can see, I mean, even just in my experience with Yes Catholic, that the Lord is, is truly raising up a generation after his own heart. Yeah. And it's inspiring to, to be part of it, you know, and to really witness that. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's really my experience. I know I'm kind of an optimist, but. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I would definitely categorize you as an optimist, which I think is great. I think we need optimists um, in, in this time, you know, that we're living in. I think it's, uh, it's challenging. And I, I, I hesitate to say that too, because sometimes I think we can be dramatic about the challenges that we face in like our current times. Um, and I think this, this goes across the board. It could go, there's a lot of analogies for that, but I think within the church, it can be almost discouraging to, to be more realistic and like optimistic to be like, Hey guys, it's not that bad. What's discouraging mm-hmm. about when you recognize that is you see how people act already when it's not that bad. And I was like, I was watching, there's this great, uh, I've been reading, I've just finished a book, uh, American Marxism, just finished the authoritarian moment by Ben Shapiro. Um, and I just watched this Netflix, like short series. Um, cause I was like, Emily's not going to like this cause it's like a history thing. So when she would leave in the evenings, I watched this. Like it was like how to be a tyrant or something like that. And it like went through like Hitler, Stalin, um, this dude who I'd never heard of before. I can't remember what his name was uh, in Uganda and uh, Saddam Hussein. <clears throat> and it talked about their lives and, like I was just, I was watching them, like, especially Saddam, they like really went through like the torture and stuff he put people through. And I was like, man, like it was really like unsettling to be like, you know, we talk about that and we kind of joke about like if free speech and like, if all these things would like get really bad in our times, like what would we do? And it's like, man, like you forget like the evil sick stuff that like saints endured, you know? Uh, for the sake of martyrdom and not like abandoning the faith. And to think that like so many people are like already quitting is like, can be really discouraging, you know, to see how many people who like completely just like utterly cave to just cause people are going to be mean or people might unfollow you or people might uh, some people even just like losing your job or things like that. You know, I've talked a lot. I feel like this year about, I feel like is my saint of the year, maybe the saint of my life going forward is St. Thomas More has been like mm-hmm. super on my heart in the last like mm-hmm. three months. And to think like, I always, you know, I feel like I've said this on like six podcasts this year, but I'm like every excuse that we have in today's world for like not standing up for the truth, for not fighting for the faith, religious freedom, all these things he had, like he had a family, he lost his job, he lost his head, you know, like, and all he had to say was a sentence. He just had to like sign something. He yeah. could have crossed his fingers. He could have been like, no, nah, I didn't really believe it. Like I played the King. Like, and he was just like, no, nah, it's, it's like traditional marriage is too big of a deal. And you see so many Catholics in today's world, especially of older generations, which is where I think like your optimism does ring really true and hit home with me in that like the younger generations really are coming up and you do see this wave of like allegiance to the gospel and hunger for Christ, which is really beautiful. Maybe that's why I am such an optimist is because every time single with Sunday people. night, I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. stories of, of people encountering Christ in the Eucharist and then their lives never being the same, you know, it's like, right. even I'm constantly, it's hard to you know, not. Yeah. Hearing that, but I remember I was um, I was having coffee with a buddy of mine. And we were just we were sitting there, and he said, "You know, man, the days of being a lukewarm Catholic they're over." 
Yeah. And it's crazy just how much I felt the presence of God when he said that to me. I was like, dude, can I, can I like post that on social media? Because I really do believe that. Like the days of Absolutely. being a lukewarm Catholic, they're over. Like get on fire, you know, and, and God is pretty clear in Revelation um, what he would do with the lukewarm. You know, you're neither hot nor cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Right. We are called to be all in, completely giving that yes to the Lord. Um, you know, even, even during the difficult times. Yeah. But obviously, like during the pandemic, it's been really hard as a Catholic man. Like churches were shut down. Um, the, the perpetual adoration chapel was down the street from me. Like there was the passcode where you just key in the password and you could go at two o'clock in the morning. It's like two minutes down the road for me. Incredible blessing. It was shut down. You know, but, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like that hunger for the Eucharist grew, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being able to receive Jesus now is, is just such a gift, mm-hmm. you know, that I think we so often did take for granted. Definitely. Now that I'm able to go and receive Jesus, I'm just like, thank you, Lord, you know, that I can yeah. actually be in your presence because we went for months of being on lockdown, you know, and not knowing what was going on. Right. And so, right. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, God, God is moving even during these times. I said to a friend of mine, um, you know, within, within my role of, of being a chaplaincy leader, right? Like I would take students to conferences and retreats and I'd have like 50 kids on a bus, you know, and we do like um, an alpha day away retreat and whatnot. And all of those events were taken. And I, and I'm going to be completely right. honest and say, I, I kind of had a little bit of an identity crisis where I'm just like, who am I, you know? Cause you <laughs> yeah. Can, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Right. Cause you can put your worth in a lot of the things that you do. Right. But during this time of the pandemic, the Lord's just like, you're mine. Right. You're beloved. Not because you do this, 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 and this, you know, but because you are my beloved son. And uh, if it's taken a pandemic to learn that. Then so be it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful, man. I think it's really awesome. I, I love the, uh, the Archbishop Fulton Sheen quote where he says, um, you know, the Christianity is either of no importance or is of utmost importance. So one thing it can't be is of moderate importance, you know, mm-hmm. like it's either everything or nothing. And I think there's so many people who don't understand that. And I think a lot of people were forced to choose, uh, during the pandemic, um, that, yeah, like you're either going to decide to go all in or, or not, you know, and I think a lot of people faded away, obviously. And there is this beauty of like when the church gets smaller that it's, I mean, we, we all know this, right? Like it's fun to have new people for sure. Like people who are really hungry to learn. Um, what's not always fun is being around like lukewarm Catholics who don't care, you know, and just kind of like dabble in it, but don't really care. But like when there's a group of us who are like, you, you have 10 people who are hanging out and you're like, you know, you're with 10, five other couples or four other couples. And it's like, we're all like striving to like raise saints. Like we're serious about this, you know, like we want to have Catholic relationships. It's pretty awesome. You know, like it's really fun. And like, if that's what the church is going to be in our lifetime, it's pretty cool. Even if we have to face some persecution outside of that, yeah. you know, it, it could be, it could make for a pretty good time. Yeah. It's so crazy as you're talking though, being like, you know, talking about the lukewarm Catholics, because a lot of my life I was that. Yeah. You know, where, well, same. where I was going to mass and like doing the, you know, Catholic aerobics as, as, uh, as they say, yeah. you sit, stand and, re- and repeat, you know, but, um, when you have that encounter with Christ, it's like, it's like you see 2020 vision, yeah. you know? And, and I feel like there's many people who are sitting in the views that just haven't had that yet. And I think that's really, if we have had that encounter with the Lord, it's our mission to, 
to help people get there. Yeah. You know, and obviously it's not by our own strength, but by the work of the Holy spirit, but to really, uh, really to say, come and see. Yeah. Yeah. We got to cooperate with that, with that grace. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting thing. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because there's such a, there's such a dichotomy, I think sometimes with gratitude with certain things. And so let me explain what I mean with that. When you were talking about like having gratitude now that we can go and like receive communion, I think a lot of us did realize that we were taking the Eucharist for granted. Um, And I think you have to like appreciate what you can go back to it. What I think is difficult is thinking about churches that like might still be closed, let's say in a place like Australia now, right? Like with the vaccine, with the boosters, with like everything that's in place, knowing like Omicron is less deadly, like to compare that to like, you know, people in communist China who get to receive communion after three months. When I think it's like when you're persecuted, like legitimately, and it's like, we like legit can't get to uh, the Eucharist for like sake of like not dying and not being like tortured to death. Versus like our government's like overstepping the bounds and you're watching like your bishops and priests like cave to the government. I think it's an interesting and difficult thing to like find this dichotomy of like being grateful for your freedoms. Cause you also have to be careful of like, like slaves could have done that and not fought against slavery, you know, of been like, yeah, like we're just really grateful. You know, like we have our food, like you can be like an optimistic slave and like not fight for like justice And I think it's interesting thing, obviously, like when the Eucharist is like a specific thing that I think to like think that we're like fully entitled to it all the time is is dangerous for sure. But I think it's justified to get upset to think like my kids aren't getting to receive communion, like sacraments are being postponed. People are postponing weddings or, uh, you know, like people I have friends who are like ready to go back to mass, ready to go back to confession and priests are not offering that. Like to me, I think that's like a justified anger that makes it really difficult to balance with the gratitude of like, wow, I'm really grateful I got to go to confession today because I remember when I couldn't and I know and I appreciate the people around the world who are persecuted for the faith and can't go to confession today on demand like I get to. And I should be grateful for that. While at the same time being like justifiably angry that they canceled it for six months, you know, and like my grandmother died or not, this is a made up example, but like say your grandmother passed away and didn't receive last rites because a priest wouldn't come or the hospital wouldn't let him in even though she wasn't sick with COVID, you know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I think it is such a difficult dichotomy and something that's really difficult to navigate. Cause obviously like as a, like a rebellious conservative American, like I am very like weary of being, I'm never going to be grateful to the government for giving me rights and freedoms that I, that God has given me and they're infringing upon. You know what I mean? Like that's where I feel like a lot of like liberal Americans had gotten to, where it's like, just be grateful. That we, and it's like, no, dude, like there is no, just be grateful for the government because the government doesn't do shit for us, but protect our rights. And when they're infringing upon them, then they give you some back. It's like the classic, uh, I forget the uh, the syndrome that you get. There's like the, the name for that when you like start to like respect and love your captors, you know? And it's like, you don't want to be a, a grateful slave. Um, you'd be a grateful slave to God for sure, but not to man. I think you can get to a dangerous spot with that. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of made me think about uh, like just not being able to go to confession and whatnot. And I actually had a very recent experience where, um, you know, I, I was feeling really heavy hearted with my own personal brokenness and mm-hmm. reached out to a church and uh, left a message saying, Hey, I'd like to book an appointment. Didn't hear anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Called another church. I, I probably called about five to seven churches um, wow. asking for the sacrament of reconciliation. It was um, really meeting walls, you know, and there was a pain there. 
of, yeah. of really desiring to go, you know? And then even I got on the phone with the secretary and I was saying, uh, she goes, okay, you can, you can come on Saturday because that's the time for confession. You know, that, that yeah, 30 minutes window yeah. um, for confession. 50 people come. Yeah. And I said, I said, sorry, like in six days, <laughs> you know? And she goes, yeah. And I said, I'm not okay with that. And she said, what? I said, I'm feeling really heavy hearted right now. You know, I really want to receive the mercy of God. And, and, you know, I kept calling and thanks be to God. Like um, a, there was a church that, I, that basically was at a, had a time that day that I was able to go and receive the mercy of God. But I think there needs to be those conversations. Yeah. Right. I was able to have that real conversation with the secretary saying, like, if someone calls to ask for the mercy of God, we shouldn't have to wait for six days. Yeah. You know, we, sh- we, should, we should be able to, and obviously not to treat sacraments like a vending machine either. Right. Right. Exactly. But, but to actually be able to have those real conversations. Um, yeah. During that time. It's like the point of the priesthood. Yeah. And <laughs> it's I, and the whole reason they exist. This, you know what I mean? It's like during the time of a pandemic, I think it's so important to, to really, um, and again, I'm not going to sign our priests. I think they're working very hard. Um, but I think that availability to the sacrament of reconciliation should definitely be a conversation to be had. But I think that starts with um, rather than remaining silent to actually mm-hmm. have those real conversations, you know, of accountability. And so it's just a little part that I was able to play there. Yeah. Just being real, you know? And then another church emailed me like four days later and they're like, oh yeah, you can go to the, the Saturday time slot again. I was thinking, oh, are you kidding me? Wow. But then it was another, it was another conversation to have, you know, of saying like, listen, um, if I'm asking to book an appointment, it's not because I want the Saturday 30 minute window. It's because I'd like to actually have an appointment to go to confession. Right. You know, and I think, I think being able to have accountability there is, is important, but that's, yeah. that's an ongoing conversation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think recognizing that like priests are human in that is really big. Sure. And I think we have to, yeah, we do have to always be careful. We obviously have to like respect the position and respect the office of the priesthood. 100%. And we always should, you know? Um, but I think we have to recognize that like they're human too, you know? And what that means is that every workplace has people who work really hard and people who sham. We had that extensively in the army. We had that when I worked at Dynamic Catholic. We had that, mm-hmm. you know, we have that every, it's almost everywhere. Uh, every workplace that you work in, uh, you're going to have people who look for opportunities to take time off or to, you know, cut back on effort or things like that. And do I think there were priests that did that during the pandemic? Absolutely. Were there other priests who worked as hard, tirelessly to fit, you know, jump through all the hoops that the government or the bishop, you know, put them through? To, to meet their people and to serve their people in some capacity or who did things went online and, you know, did Instagram lives or other things to try to like stay mm-hmm. connected with their parishioners for sure. Yep. You know? And so there's a mix and, and you can, we have to have mercy on those who might've been in the former category who have repented of that and realized that, you know, like I didn't crush it, you know, like maybe 2020 wasn't my best year as a priest. Like I could have mm-hmm. done more for my congregation. And I think you can recognize that. And it's, it's very, uh, I find myself like it's a lot easier to forgive the mistakes that people made because hindsight's 2020, no pun intended, on the year of 2020, because all of us were kind of like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Like what's happening right now? Happening right now. Yeah. And to be fair, I do want to add to the point of with confession is I later did learn that a number of the parishes I was reaching out to were on lockdown because they tested positives with the virus. So it was extra bad. 
So it was extra challenging. That's that's another reason for the roadblock. So I don't think we can. <laughs> that is hard. You gotta, yeah, you got to take perspective as well. But, right, and that's the same thing. You know, being judgment, being slow to judgment, and things like that. Right, um, is so Bigger important. Bigger picture, because, man. Yeah, going back to that as well. It's hard to know everything. What are you guys at? Like, are you like full capacity at masses? Are you like blocking off pews, masks? Like, what's mass like in Toronto? That's a great question. I know that it's still socially distanced. I'm not sure the capacity. I walk in, they show me where to sit. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're, I mean, people are staying at the door to make sure they get hand sanitized and are socially distanced. But I mean, they also have the hall available if it gets to capacity. Yeah. So they are very welcoming and, and make sure that they're trying to follow the proper protocols, but definitely in Canada, like you, you have to wear a mask at all times, be respectful. And yeah, I'm whatever. surprised you're not wearing one right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm the comfort of my own home. Thank all the guys, feds. So. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the Canadian FBI is, uh, we'll get them on speed dial here. That'd be some pretty exciting stuff, but man, it's so cool. I love it, man. So thank you so much for the work you're doing with yes. Catholic. Thanks for sharing all the things you, you shared today. I feel like I'd learned a ton just from like the ministry mindset that you have and uh, your attitude of humility um, and your, your gratitude, your optimism. I think all of that is great to share, especially to my listeners who get a lot of my, uh, my passionate ranting very often. So it was good to have your, your calming presence here with us, with us today, Praise man. The Lord. Keep yeah. me in prayer, please. Really appreciate it. Great. So as, as, uh, as always, we'll keep your stuff in the, in the show notes, be tagging in everything on social media. So highly encourage you guys to check out yes, Catholic and the wonderful stories and people you highlight. I, like I said, I think every, every like four square you post, I'm like, Oh, I know one of those people, you know, uh, oh, some friend of mine or somebody that I just really respect and, and love. And so, uh, yeah, you, you do some great work man. with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a small, it's a small place. And, uh, yeah, like the connections and stuff you were talking about earlier, I was like, man, I can imagine you don't even have to do the homework anymore, which is such a gift. You just get all the recommendations. Yep, yeah, exactly. That's dope, bro. Well, thank you. Everybody check that out. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Um, feel free to, uh, leave us a review if you would like, I feel like this is a very uplifting and optimistic, positive, uh, you know, episode. So I doubt this will be one of our one-star review episodes. Uh, so if you're in a good mood after this one, definitely a good time to take the opportunity to leave us a review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We appreciate the higher, the better, you know, but I always say, would it just be honest? We appreciate honest feedback, but thank you so much for listening. I highly encourage you to follow Yes Catholic and, uh, yeah, we just want to continue to encourage you to fight hard and to strive to be your best and know of our prayers for you. God bless.